The scripture lesson this day is from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 38 through 42. I invite you to stand for the reading of the Gospel. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the great things about knowing my wife since we were in high school is that I also got to know her grandparents. They were these old school South Missouri Southern Baptists with complete with traditional gender roles. Her grandfather Chet was the man of the house. He was a hard worker, the most perfect hair you have ever seen. Right up until the day he died, no one touched his hair. And while he was not always the gentlest man, he did love his wife and he loved his family. Her grandmother Genevieve was the life of the party, gregarious and funny, a woman on the move, always flitting about doing things. And when she was hosting people, this need to move went into overdrive. And so her husband, Chad, would see her get all worked up and all... Uh, 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 anxious, anxious, anxious about what needed to be done and who needed to be served, uh, getting upset over details that he deemed unimportant, that he didn't think needed prioritizing. And out of nowhere, he would yell, sit down, Genevieve! And every time this happened, my 18-year-old self had to put my head down and suppress a deep belly laugh. I found these moments so worth sharing that in the 20 years, cherishing that in the 20 years of my marriage, I have been known randomly to yell at my own wife, sit down, Genevieve. Whereas her grandmother, her grandfather did it in the serious and curmudging, curmudging fashion, uh, I always do it as a joke. Still, I like to think that God gave me to my wife so that this particular tradition could carry on. Clearly, our text today addresses serving other people. And clearly there is this sort of sit-down Genevieve moment here as it discusses, obviously, priorities and making sure that you don't get so lost in serving people, that you actually miss the people that you're serving. 
But I think that there is something much larger than just sort of like a critique of busyness happening here that is often missed when people preach and teach this passage. And I think to get at this, we have to understand where this story falls in Luke's larger agenda because the arrangement, how the gospel writers, how the biblical writers arrange their stories actually matters to the meaning of the individual stories. We are often taught just to interpret an individual story in the Bible by it on its own as if nothing else happening around it matters. And yet one of the things, one of the reasons I love going through entire books of the Bible is to show how each piece is connected to what follows. You see, Jesus has just told the parable of the Good Samaritan while he's in Samaria going through Samaria north to Jerusalem where he knows he's going to die. So he's just told the parable of the Good Samaritan and he's on his way to Jerusalem to die. And not only do we carry the theme of hospitality from the parable of the Good Samaritan into this story through words like welcome that appear in both passages. And also what we get is that in the parable, a certain man was going to Jerusalem, right? And now we have a certain village where there were two sisters who were hosting something. Luke is using repeated language on purpose to say, hey, pay attention. These stories are connected with each other. You cannot fully understand the story of Mary and Martha if you do not understand the parable of the Good Samaritan, and you cannot understand the parable of the Good Samaritan if you do not understand what is happening with Mary and Martha. And so through these verbal cues, Luke is leading us to make the connection between these stories. Now, of course, the parable of the Good Samaritan being the more famous of the stories, of course, this is a story about serving others, right? This is a story of that serving other people matters. In fact, it is in serving others that we actually serve God. However, had Luke merely ended the discussion with the parable of the Good Samaritan, we might be justified in thinking that the apex of the Christian life is service to others, is holy love for neighbor. And frankly, a lot of progressive and liberal Christian traditions have in fact concluded their theology and their beliefs and their worship right there. We exist to serve other people. Nothing takes precedence over that. But Luke doesn't in the story with the Good Samaritan. Luke adds this story of Mary and Martha as a tag onto the Good Samaritan, almost as a post-credit scene, not to minimize holy love for neighbor, but to show that holy love for neighbor is always conditioned upon holy love for God. How you treat your neighbor is a reflection of your theology. How you treat your neighbor is a reflection of what you believe about God. Apply that to America's immigration policies. The nature of Christian service 
is always shaped by God's character. For it to be genuine Christian service, genuine Christian hospitality, genuine Christian ethics, it must be rooted in the character of the God we worship. And so people should always be able to look at our actions, our hospitality, and our ethics and say, what can we tell about their God by their behaviors? This is the tension, I think, in our story today. Often this story is, is represented and preached and taught as if it is about one sister getting it right and the other sister getting it wrong and Jesus yelling, shut down, Genevieve. But that misses the dynamics of the story. Again, with Jesus on his way to die in Jerusalem, there is obviously a sense in which service to Jesus is always welcome. Service to Jesus is a very important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But there are times when service to Jesus needs to take a back seat to sitting with Jesus. It is not... This story is not about one sister being right and the other wrong. This story is about one sister understanding the magnitude of this moment and what this moment calls for, and one sister not understanding the magnitude of this moment and what this moment calls for. The two sisters represent not a right way and a wrong way to serve God, but rather represent the need to recognize what is appropriate in any given moment. I think because of the way this is preached often about busyness and about one sister getting it right and one sister getting it wrong, we become very overly critical of Martha. Look, before we become critical of Martha, let me put it this way. She has 15 people in her house. There's a reason she's got some anxiety. And in traditional first century gender roles, as not only the host, but as the woman, she is expected to make sure that these people are receiving proper welcome. It is a shame to her and her character if she doesn't. So I think we can understand the anxiety here if we slow down long enough and stop criticizing her for being busy. I think women understand this better than men. Because in our culture, a lot of times, the housework is given to the women and the men watch and we say, can I do anything to help? a million things to do, right? And then sometimes men will be like, why are you so stressed out? Well, I don't know, maybe because I'm doing everything. So I want us to have a little bit of grace toward Martha. The stress is real. Her work is important. And in other moments, this is why I want to draw attention to the moment. Jesus is on his way to be crucified. He's literally like giving last words on the trail to death. The issue is not that Martha is serving. 
The issue is what is needed in the moment. In other moments, her service may be perfectly acceptable, but with Jesus going to the cross, he needs his disciples of whom Martha is one to be attentive, to be with him, to see him, to digest all he has to say. Sit down, Genevieve, is not an insult coming from Jesus. It is a word of invitation to understand the urgency of this moment. Be here now, Martha. Which means then that Mary is praised here not because, as men have often took it, not because learning is superior to serving and housework. Mary is praised because in this moment, attentiveness is more important than distracted service. And Luke, sitting at Jesus' feet, symbolizes discipleship. And so here is Mary, as a woman, assuming the role of a disciple of Jesus. In fact, it's even more intense than that in the Gospel of Luke in the Greek. In the Greek, it doesn't just say she sat at Jesus' feet. It says she sat herself at Jesus' feet. When the Greek adds a pronoun that is not needed, it is drawing emphasis to the sentence. It is the Greek, it is Luke's way of saying she sat herself, she took initiative. This is, uh, 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 this is an intentional breaking of assumed gender roles. She knows that she is supposed to be background support. She knows that Martha has it right according to conventional standards. But this is not a conventional moment. And this is not a conventional rabbi. And so she unconventionally takes on the role of a disciple. Now hear me say clearly, women disciples of male rabbis was not unheard of in ancient Judaism. Jesus is not the only one who had female disciples. However, it is incredibly rare. And it shows how Jesus is upturning intentionally social order around gender. How Jesus is upturning assumptions around gender. Understand this moment. They are in the shadow of the cross. They are staring at death and grief and loss. This is not a moment for action. This is a moment for sitting at the feet of the one who is grieving. So the problem is, again, not service, not that service is less important. The problem is understanding the right time for the right thing, the appropriate action at any given moment. The problem is that while Jesus is on his way to dying, Martha has become frenetic and anxiety-driven and has lost focus. The Greek literally reads, she was distracted by service. I think we know something about that, don't we? 
when faced with grief or faced with people who are grieving, what's the thing we want to do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And that's not bad. That's not bad. But sometimes what is needed is not doing. It's just being with somebody. In her doing, she is losing track of the one who this is really about. And so, no, Jesus is not belittling Martha's situation. He is rather establishing priorities. Presence during grief takes precedence over everything else. This is why Jesus doesn't actually say, sit down, Genevieve. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the one needful thing. Again, we read this critically of Martha, but it's not. Jesus is not saying there are needful things and there are unimportant things. Jesus is saying there are good things and there are needful things. And wisdom is knowing the difference between what is good in a moment and what is needed in a moment. To say this in our own distinctive way, holy love for neighbor springs from holy love for God. Attentiveness to neighbor is dependent upon attentiveness to God. Jesus wants her attention on him right now. Now, with all of that said, I do not think that I could end this sermon without unpacking one element of this a little bit more, particularly for our society. You see, this story of attentiveness to God then has massive equalizing effects on how we understand gender. Because none of this is about the fact that they're women it is about the fact that they are disciples trying to discern what is important in this moment. As with Martha, traditionally, even in our society, women serve as hosts. Which is exactly why we chuckled when Chet said, sit down Genevieve but we didn't think anything about it. We wouldn't have thought anything about it if it had happened reverse. We might have thought, oh, that's weird. We wouldn't have chuckled if Genevieve had said, sit down, Chet, right? We would have been like, oh, that was a bold woman. I bet it was tough living with her. Like women who assert their opinions and assert themselves are, are, are bossy in our society, but men who do it, we're like, <laughs> that's, that's funny. So we assume gender roles, even in how we hear these stories, we assume gender roles all of the time in our society such that they are so assumed, the whole point of them being assumed is that they go unnoticed by us. Do you know that some of the most influential things in our lives are the things we don't think about, the things we don't know about, we don't see because we just assume. 
What this story is doing is calling our assumptions into question about who can be a disciple and who cannot. The more hidden our assumptions are from us, the more powerful they, they, more power they have over us. And the Christian paradox is this, that in being attentive to our assumptions, we become attentive to the God who challenges our assumptions. This is what we mean when we say that Christianity ought to filter into our everyday lives and determine and help us rethink even our most everydayish decisions. The whole point of these stories, the whole point of the gospel is that the story of the crucified God enters into even the things we assume about who men and women are. It is challenging all of that. So consider our story. Martha has taken the traditional female role of a servant and a hostess. Her job is to focus on men and to focus on the guests while the men and the guests focus on Jesus. But Mary has flouted those gender roles and has taken on the typically male role of a disciple and learner. Martha is mad because Mar Martha has taken the woman's role in the kitchen. She's angry even with Mary's liberation. She seeks to bring Mary back into the proper place of submissiveness and true womanhood. Jesus, however, praises the gender bending. Jesus praises the flouting of traditional, supposedly God-given gender roles. It blows my mind that churches and preachers who do what I do continually read this text and miss the gender bending that is happening here. I guarantee you, Reverend Martha Wagley could tell you innumerable stories of the good old boys in the UMC who want to make sure that she is a woman stayed in her place. Am I wrong? I'll bet she has folders filled with letters that she got, emails she got. She could probably tell you for hours side comments trying to keep her in her place. But you know what would be even more interesting? I would be interested in sitting down with Reverend Wagley and also hearing stories of United Methodist women who tried to keep her in her place. Women who were intimidated by her liberation to follow God's call, who wanted to pull her back into her place as a traditional woman. Women who might have said to Martha some version of, sit down, Martha. But here's where I think this church will be different. Not th I think I'm going to say it more directly. Here's where, as long as I am the pastor here, this church will be different. We will continue to teach that there is a time for service and there is a time for attentiveness. We will continue to teach that there, are no, there is no such thing as men's roles and women's roles. There is no such thing as men's roles and women's roles. So when I, for example, weeks ago, a couple weeks in a row, started talking about serving in children's ministry, guess who volunteered? Women. Guess who didn't? 
Men, why? Because we assume gender roles. Guess what? Serving kids is not gendered. It's not. If you can pass a background check, and if you love children, I don't care if you're an alien. This is not a woman's role. Children need to see men serving in this capacity too. They desperately need to see men doing it. Our boys especially need to see men doing this. Men should serve children and babies. Women should preach and teach. And all of us, regardless of gender, should be sitting at Jesus' feet. Stand up, Genevieve. Or sit down. Whichever Jesus is asking you to do in this moment, it is about what Jesus is asking us to do, not about our gender.